When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like that, we are back. Outkick 360 on the Outkick OTT network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. It's been a great first week so far. Gents, let's keep it going. Live from Blackbird Studio here in Nashville, Tennessee, inside Studio G. The crew working hard, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, Charlie Quartz, cast of thousands here with Outkick. Absolutely. And a lot to get to today. We. We have other cast members on the show. Greg Cosell oh, of NFL yes. Films joins Terrific. us in 15 minutes. Jeff Jarrett, Double J, WWE Hall of Famer, bringing a gift for Paul. Who's that? In about 45 minutes in studio, plus the Tennessee Power Hour coming up in hour number two. What's up, guys? It's Wednesday. It feels like Friday already. It's flown by. It's amazing, <laughs> even with a new show. We open with an announcement that characterizes who we are, what we do, and more importantly, what we do not do. So today is St. Patrick's Day. This is the only time we're going to mention that, unlike a lot of shows that we've been around in the past. If you're driving home in Nashville today and you're foolish enough to tune into our old station, you're bound to hear a huge segment on St. Patrick's Day. Because what happens in lazy sports talk radio, which Nashville's full of, I can't speak to your market if you happen to be from somewhere else. It's everywhere. It's not just here. Oh, my God, it's St. Patrick's Day. I don't have to come up with content. St. Patrick's Day is my content. And so what we'll do is who's your lucky lucky four-leaf clover in sports? Who's your uh, fighting Irish or Boston Celtic? Who's your favorite? Or uh, who's your favorite green? A.J., Mean Joe, Kevin, or the Dartmouth Big. We will not be doing any of those. By the way, those are better than any of the ones you're going to hear, and I just came up with them five minutes ago. ESPN's on line two right now. They they need uh, need those ideas for all of their topic shows. This is stupid, lazy sports conversation, and we don't participate in it. Maybe on Arbor Day we come up with something good and clever (laughs) to make fun of everybody who does this on Halloween on uh, Easter, your favorite sports resurrection, all of this crap nonsense. We will not be doing this on St. Patrick's Day. Look at our shirts. Orange, blue, blue and white. No green. On purpose. No St. Patrick's Day BS talk. Our pledge to you, none of this generic, boring, predictable holiday talk. On with the show. Well, and let's let's be clear also. This is not an anti-Ireland stance by us. <laughs> no, we love Guinness. We love potatoes. Conor McGregor. We love, we love alcohol. <laughs> Conor McGregor. Bono. Big U2 fans. Yeah. I mean, we're not anti-Ireland. This is an anti-laziness stance that we're taking. We'll drink a green beer. But please, feel free. You can get that content uh, that's terrible uh, pretty much anywhere today. But not here. Yeah, and when that content is on later this afternoon, 
if you haven't listened to us, that's a perfect time to listen to us on Audible, on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify, where, if you're able, you should give us stars and write up a little rating. We appreciate those things, especially at the beginning of our existence as a new program. And if you're listening or, excuse me, watching right now on YouTube Live, give us uh, the like, give us a rating, subscribe to the channel where you can find us every single day. Hit the alert button as well. We go live at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern, daily right here on the Outkick OTT Network, which means you can alert yourself every day on your mobile device, on your laptop, on your uh, notebook, whatever it might be and you'll get OutKick 360 and OutKick programming whenever we're live right here on this channel. PK will be monitoring the YouTube chat, which has been very I'm active, it, which I'm we like, right very active chat. I will be monitoring Twitter. Best ways to get in touch with us there, really on Twitter, OutKick 360, follow us there. I'll be reading the responses and what people want to talk about. And also, wherever you listen, it could be with iTunes and Apple, could be with Spotify, could be Audible. Don't just leave us the review or the like on YouTube. Wherever you're listening to us, give us a like, give us a review, give us a rating, do all those things. It helps us tremendously, and we really appreciate it. And in fact, to show you that I am reading Twitter right now, um, we have Bill who says no link today that we tweeted out. David Reed is going to tweet out that link right now. And oh, by the way, if you didn't know, yes, David Reed is with us now. We took him. We hired him, and for good reason, because he is the absolute best at what he does, and we're excited to have him on board. And speaking of The biggest reviews, announcement of yesterday was David yes, Reed. And speaking of reviews, at some point in this show, a very special review that came not in any of these formats we're asking you to review the show, but came to me via text. Something to look forward to, a slight early tease. We, we took him, maybe he was too strong. That sounded like a kidnapping. Yeah, yeah, kidnapping. Yeah, didn't mean to be that strong. We hired him. Our companies hired him away. Companies, plural, hired David Reed away, and we're thrilled to have the him. The chairman here. of the board is back. Trent Williams is back in San Francisco on a massive contract for the left tackle. Highest paid tackle now in NFL history, which is going to continue to be the trend uh, every single year. Even You're this year. Going to see that. Cap. If you're an elite player, you get elite money. Uh, also, uh, elite trade that was turned down by the Seattle Seahawks, according to Dan Patrick wow. this morning, where the Chicago Bears attempted to make an offer to John Schneider and the Seattle Seahawks in exchange for Russell Wilson. According to DP, three first-round picks, two third-round picks, and two players. And Seattle turned that down. If you don't want that, you don't want to move him uh, because that, that, that's a king's ransom, right? Um, and that's one of the teams that... Uh, that he said, I don't want to be traded, but if you're going to trade me, here are the four teams you could trade me to. And that was one of them. Obviously, a major market that would have been good for him. Obviously, a team that's desperate for a quarterback. Ryan Pace should be, and by this offer, is in job-saving mode. Sure. And that's a hell of a drop-off from him to Andy Dalton, though Andy Dalton's a hell of an upgrade from the Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. So, look, the Bears have to be a defensive football team that runs the ball and asks minimal things of, uh, of its quarterback, uh, you know, they're better with Dalton than they were with what well, they had, but they're still not, uh, you know, they're still looking for a quarterback like they always are. It's also the one general manager that I feel like devalues first round picks more than any GM in the league. He trades <laughs> them away. He, he backs out of the first round. They don't even have a first round pick this year because they traded for Jamal Adams. So Seattle's not even yeah, in, the, in the first round this year and they turned down a first round pick. And yeah, I don't blame right, them. Right. They, 
they, they right now, when you look at their quarterback depth, they're drafting in the 20s. Uh, again, they, they're not going to be that, that high first-round quarterback team in the NFL draft, at least as it looks right now. They need some offensive line help, though. That's why Russell Wilson started this when whole say, thing. When I say they're history. drafting, Chicago's drafting in the 20s. That was the pick right. they could have offered. Yeah. So when, when you consider where the pick was and what Schneider does in the back of the first round as the Seattle Seahawks general manager, he trades out. So he's looking at it as another trade option, not another pick that's coming in. Seattle's underachieved, really. Uh, you know, you get the one Super Bowl. It's one of, another one of these teams that gets the one Super Bowl, and they've got the Felt like the it could have been a dynasty that next you, year. Yeah, and you should have. Yeah, the pick, yep. Malcolm Butler's pick, takes away the second opportunity, and they haven't made it back. And you've got to maximize. John Schneider, very good executive, and has made a lot of really They're good They're also moves, one of the better divisions in football. <clears throat> yep. Which is only getting better if Kyler Murray stays on track if the quarterback acquisition of Matthew Stafford takes the Rams where you think uh, yeah, they can go, right. that's a division that should get better. Seattle, I'm not saying they should give up Russell Wilson, but they certainly need to protect him better. I mean, who? why would anyone want to trade Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson? I mean, it would take an offer to just blow you away. I understand Deshaun Watson wants out. Well, that relationship is just blown up. I, I know, but how, as an organization – it's tough to justify trading either one of those guys. Yeah, I don't no think either organization wants to. No, they don't. But my point being, of Deshaun Watson, he's going to have to be traded, Seattle's right? Because he doesn't want to play Deshaun there. Deshaun Watson's not rep- uh, repairable. No, I, I agree. But it's, it's, it's just amazing to me that players now can put their teams in that position. Because there is no earthly way that the Texans would want to trade away Deshaun Watson and would want to take a chance and roll the dice on another franchise quarterback when they have a really good franchise quarterback that they drafted. Right. So when they're put in that spot, though, it's an unwinnable situation. Some teams overcoddle quarterbacks that aren't that good and still won't you know, even acknowledge their faults and flaws, which sickens me on the one end. On the other end, I mean, if you've got a franchise guy like Deshaun Watson who's not making unreasonable demands by any means, it's not that hard to maintain a good relationship with a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's not an unreasonable guy. You've just shredded that organization. It's just terrible ownership. Never mind Bill O'Brien or Romeo Crennel or, you know, Easterby and, and O'Brien as a GM, perhaps, and certainly Cal McNair. They just did really bad jobs. It's going to be a crazy day, another crazy day across the, the NFL as teams make signings official with that news. But also, there will be other teams, much like we saw with the Tennessee Titans yesterday here in town, across the league that are going to have to make roster moves to get below the top 51 salary cap minimum as the league year begins. So you have the Packers, the Saints, the Eagles, the Rams, and the Bears who currently um, – According to multiple outs, that those are the teams that are currently above the NFL salary cap as the new league year begins later this afternoon. Uh, you know, Wednesday, bloody Wednesday, if you will. Three o'clock Central, uh, four o'clock Eastern, the beginning of the new league year. By the way, that was is, our only Irish reference yeah, of the day. Since you, you referenced the U2 song with that. Well, that's not a St. Patrick's we Day. We just really <laughs> wanted to get that out of the way <laughs> well, quickly. We're just going about our business. That's not a St. Patrick's Day bit. We won't you quote will. Bono or The Edge the rest of the day. <laughs> that was uh, it. Uh, not, in, not intentionally. But please continue. Um, 
so, <laughs> or the you know, the contracts expire at that hour. These deals that people have agreed to can be signed and executed. Um, people who want to visit teams and, uh, and facilities can do so. That's a rarity now for first-tier free agency. And we're still in first-tier free agency, at least for a couple more days and a couple more guys. Um, but, you know, really, it's amazing how, and I'm not going to call it what everybody else calls it. I'm going to call it pre-free agency. It's amazing how these pre-free agency first two days have really just, just moved open, free agency two days early. It's just open negotiating. That's yeah. what I refer to it as. Right. You know? So free agency just starts two days earlier, and everybody says they agreed to terms. The funny thing is the teams can't say anything. So a team's website can't write about it. So for two days, they're stuck in absolute limbo. So at 4 o'clock Eastern today, team website's traffic will all of a sudden go up because they can actually talk about what all of us have been writing about. So it's been a, uh, that, that's a weird kink in it that's very awkward for some, well, some writers. We had joked that because we missed so much time and there were so many big headlines that we were going to have a breaking news sounder Sound. and come on like it just happened, like... Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl, or Jeremy Pruitt was just fired at Tennessee, and, and then discuss it like it was new. Isaiah Wilson this is just what, traded. This is what team sites actually have to do now. They have to yeah. act like it's breaking news when we've known it for three days. It's funny. An active day, again, coming in the NFL. And we'll talk about some Titans. Uh, one surprise, one surprise only based on timing with the Dory Jackson. We'll talk more about that in the Tennessee Power Hour later on. We, and, and, and with Greg Cosell coming up. Yeah, Greg Cosell is next. We're going to get into the moves across the NFL that will be made official as the new league year begins today. With all the signings, the fits across the league, the very best at what he does. Greg Cosell of NFL Films. If you've never heard him before, you're in for a treat. If you're used to our show over the last decade, you know him well. Cosell next on Outkick 360. Our kick 360 rolls on day number three. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. FanDuel.com slash OK360. That's the website to go place a $50 risk-free bet. You can do that right now for all residents across the state of Tennessee. Other great options for other states with uh, sports betting. FanDuel.com is the place. Just go to FanDuel.com slash OK360. If you are used to our former program, you know our next guest and our very first guest to our new show very well. Greg Cosell in his 40... ...other programs and hear him across the country on many programs such as this one. Greg, great to have you on the show. Hope you're doing well. God, I'm your first guest. Wow, I'm just uh, honored, Jonathan. You guys have a nice little cozy spot there, looking nice. It's not bad. Greg's a big fan of Nashville, a uh, big fan of country music as we broadcast live from Blackbird Studios uh, here at the Blackbird Academy. Greg, let's jump right into it, and let's get into some free agency news and notes. And the, the splash, the headline, everyone's talking about the New England Patriots and what they've done. We know Jonu Smith well. You know him well from yeah. breaking down the film over the years of the former Titans draft pick. What type of tight end are they getting in Jonu Smith? And what does it signal to you that they've also signed Hunter Henry? Well, 
I don't think you probably need me to say that they're likely to play a lot of snaps with 12 personnel with two tight ends. But that was obviously an organizational and a coaching decision by Bill Belichick because the assumption was when you signed Janu Smith, who's a very multidimensional tight end, you can line him up in line on the line of scrimmage. You can flex him. He can split outside the numbers. He lined up in the backfield at times with the Titans. The assumption was when you signed Janu Smith, you had your multidimensional tight end, and people said Henry's no longer an option for New England. Well, then they signed Henry a little while later. So they're going to go back, theoretically, to what they did. I believe it was 2012, and I believe they led the NFL in offense that year when they had Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, and they played a lot of snaps of 12 personnel with two tight ends that could line up all over the formation. And that is really critical. And that does a lot of things for you offensively because of what, of what it forces the defense to do. And that's the whole point of this, is now you put the defense in a situation where they have to decide, first and foremost, how they want to play with personnel. Do they stay with base personnel? Or do they line up and play nickel? Because they're more concerned about the explosiveness in the pass game than they are in the run game because the reality is percentage-wise more explosive plays come out of the pass game so right off the bat you're starting by putting the defense in a situation where they have to make a decision as to how they want to play the position group that was gobbled up quickly in the early negotiating period was pass rush as expected and and many of these guys we can always point to their supporting cast not their fault they're on a very good defense and We'll certainly get to Bud Dupree in a moment here in Nashville. But Matt Judon from Baltimore, is he elite? Do you put him in that elite category as you evaluate him week in and week out within that Baltimore defense? And what will he bring to New England? I would not say he's an elite edge pass rusher. I would say that he's a multiple front player, and that's what Bill Belichick likes. Bill Belichick lines up in multiple defensive fronts. That's what he's been for a number of years now. And Matt Judon is, in a sense, a perfect fit because he can line up outside. You can move him inside. There's multiple positions he can play both on the ball and off the ball in a stacked position. So someone like Matt Judon absolutely fits what Bill Belichick wants to do and in many ways is the perfect signing uh, for the kinds of things that he ideally likes to get done. Is he at all like Adelius Thomas um, coming from a, a, a similar scheme who mm. wound up being a little bit, a, a lot of bit of a, of a bust up there? No, I don't think so. I think he's a different player, PK. I think he's uh, a better player, quite honestly. I think he is a better pass rusher. Um, I think you can do more with him along your front. Um, Thomas... It was very athletic, and people started to think he could play all over, meaning on the back end. And, you know, that's one of the things we get caught up in as well with the draft. We got caught up in that with Isaiah Simmons coming out of Clemson last year in this belief that these players can play five or six different positions. That's a little extreme. A guy can play a number of spots along your defensive front, but he can't play five or six different positions along your entire defense. So Matt Judon fits that role where, and the thing is, is he's used to doing this. So it's not as if he's starting from scratch in learning how to play what Bill Belichick will want him to do. Greg Cosell, NFL Films, is our guest. Greg, 
clearly uh, we talk about elite. Elite financially now is Trent Williams with the 49ers <laughs> with $138 yeah. million. But what is it about his game that makes him elite as an offensive tackle? Well, apparently they signed Alex Mack, too, so you know where Kyle Shanahan's head is as far as getting back to being able to run the football. I mean, Trent Williams just has pretty much everything you'd want in, in a left tackle position. He's a very good pass protector. Uh, he's a very good run blocker. I mean, there were games this year, uh, early on in the season in particular, where he was dominant with s specific reps and snaps. Um, so you know, th the thing is, when, when you have the tackle position, what you'd ideally like to be able to do with your two tackles in this league is to be able not to have to help them. Because what that does for your offense is it increases your options. Because you would love to be able to get all five eligible receivers out on every snap. Now, you can't do that if you feel uncomfortable with your tackles in pass protection, particularly when you get into situations in longer yardage, second and long, third and long, where the drop by the quarterback may have to be a little deeper, and therefore you have to protect your quarterback on the edge. So now you feel very comfortable with the fact that, hey, we can get our all five eligible receivers out. We don't need to worry about keeping George Kittle in to pass protect or a chip, which then limits his route concepts. So, Because the pass game on both sides of the ball, guys, it's about numbers. The offense wants to get all five eligible out, and the defense wants to be able to rush the quarterback with four so that they can have seven in coverage. But if the defense can't rush with four, then they have to add a rusher because the idea is to be able to speed up the quarterback. But if you add a rusher, you go from seven in coverage to six in coverage, and then the options for your coverage concepts decrease. Let's stay out west with the Raiders in Vegas, who they add a rusher with Yannick Ngakwe. He has at least eight sacks in each of his last or first five seasons in the league. I think he's on his fourth NFL team now in the last two yeah. years. At least it feels like that. Reunited, though, with Gus Bradley, and he'll play that weak side end position for the Raiders. Does that factor into how you evaluate what he's going to do defensively there? Or would is he the type of player, Greg, that's going to be that type of player in any defense? He's that type of player in any defense. He's basically a 4-3 defensive end, open side edge rusher. And that player is always at a premium in the NFL and has tremendous value. And what it also tells me, um, now again, here's what you have to think. As, as I'm thinking through this, I'm curious as to how they see him in their base defense. Because Gus Bradley is there. He's a 4-3 coach. Now, they also have Max Crosby. They also have Cleveland Farrell. So do they see Ngakwe as a linebacker in their base defense? Because if, if not, if he's a defensive end, maybe they see Cleveland Farrell moving inside full time as a defensive tackle because that's what he did last year when they went to their sub fronts is he moved inside and they had Arden Key and Max Crosby as their edge rushers. So I'm wondering how they see this. They obviously signed him for a reason. You know, nobody signs somebody on a whim. So the question becomes, do they see him as a strong side linebacker in their base defense, which is not a position he's played. He's essentially been an on-the-ball player. Now, your strong side linebacker can be on the ball. Essentially, it gives you a five-man front. 
But to me, that's the question. We don't know the answer to that. It's not as if they made a public announcement about what he is. We know he's a really good open side edge pass rusher. So we've talked about Judon and we've talked about Ngakwe. So this leads me back to Baltimore. They're, they've re-signed uh, Bowser, Bowser, McPhee, yep. Derek Wolf. Um, but how immensely different is Baltimore now with what they try to do up front? The Ravens, they usually draft guys who fit this system very well. But those seem like two big minuses in losing Judon and Ngakwe. What do you expect yeah. from what they have left? Well, my sense is, PK, that they see Bowser in some ways as their replacement for Judon. Bowser came out of the University of Houston, a highly athletic, highly explosive, sudden athlete who needed to learn how to play in the league. He came out in 2017. And the fact that they re-signed him, and I don't follow the numbers, but it was obviously, what, a three- or four-year deal? So I think they view him now as ready to take that mantle because this kid is an explosive athlete. And I remember watching him coming out of Houston and thinking down the road, he has really good pass rush traits that need to be developed. And they probably feel, not probably because they let you Don Walk and just re-sign Bowser, I'm sure they feel he now fits that role of, of a movement player who can line up in multiple positions, which, by the way, he did a year ago. He'll probably now get more snaps. So I think they see Bowser as that guy. So, Greg, we love getting into process questions with Greg Cosell and your process of watching film and what you're looking for with individual players. And one that we keep hearing is about Bud Dupree. And you watch him yep. and you see a guy, and the, the thought is, oh, well, he's helped out by his supporting cast because he's got great players around <laughs> him. When you're watching a player on film, does that pop to you at times where you say, boy, this he was really assisted on this play by this player, or is that not something – you notice with guys that often when studying individual players. Chad, I don't know how much that really means when you're studying an individual player because you're studying their traits, attributes, and characteristics. So if I'm watching a player, uh, let's, you know, and obviously I'm in the college mode right now. If I'm, I'm, by the time I'm done, I'll probably have 200 plus uh, college prospects in the 2021 draft done in detail. You know, if you're watching a pass rusher, you know, I'm looking at, how can he win on the edge? It doesn't matter who's on the other side. Can he win one-on-one? -on -one? Now, are there times guys get double teamed? And in an ideal world, you'd love to have other players to mitigate against double teams? Of course. But there are going to be one-on-ones, just like corners. Corners have to play man coverage at some point. If a corner can't play man coverage, it's going to be tough to play in the NFL. So, I remember Dupree when he came out of the University of Kentucky, and they did not use him exclusively as a pass rusher. He was a tremendous athlete at over 265 pounds, and they used him in many different ways. He, he became more of a pass rusher with the Steelers because they were a 3-4 base, and then he became the edge rusher when they went to their sub. And he has improved dramatically over the last number of years as a pure edge pass rusher. A lot, though, with T.J. Watt on the other side? Well, again, T.J. Watt's a great pass rusher as well. So, But at the end of the day, Dupree still has to win in his pass rush. You know, it's not as if they're not blocking him, you know, just because T.J. Watt's on the other side. Of course they're blocking him. So can he rush the quarterback? Can he win one-on-one? -on -one? And then the other factor is, 
schemes, stunts, games. How do you help your pass rushers? Because you know that when you have quality pass rushers, and by the way, to talk about the Titans now, which is a you know beautiful segue here, when they're in their sub front, I think it's going to be really interesting because what they're going to have is Landry and Dupree on the outside. They're going to have Simmons and um, and Danico Autry, who's a very good player, by the way. That was a really good signing, in my view. Um, I'm very familiar with Danico Autry. That's going to be their front. You're going to have Simmons and Autry inside. You're going to have Dupree and Landry on the outside. You're going to have Evans as kind of the wild card because he can rush the quarterback as well. So, Again, none of us can sit here now in the middle of March and say, okay, they're going to be a great pass rush team. But what we do know is they couldn't rush the quarterback a year ago. You like that group. Well, I do uh, like that group because Danico Autry, see, Danico Autry is another multiple front player. He was in a 4-3 a year ago and he played defensive end in the base and moved inside to deep tackle in the nickel for the Colts. But he also has the, the, the size and the traits to be a 3-4 DN, a 4 technique and a 5 technique, which he probably will be in this front. He'll be a, a DN along with Simmons, that 4-5 technique, and I imagine Daquan Jones will be the, the no-shade. And then you'll have Landry and Dupree uh, as the outside backers in the base 3-4. And then when they go to the sub, it's just a four-man front. And Evans will be the, the wild card. One thing we know, based on what they've done, Greg, they are more physical up front now from what we've seen, Uh, more dominant inside on that interior next to Jeffrey Simmons by adding Autry. They have players now that can win the one-on-one matchups, as you're saying. They're not just going to get quarterback pressures, or at least they haven't in their past. They've been actually finishing plays, and I think that that was clearly, if if you're just going by what they've done in free agency, they, they are adding a more physical presence to their front. Without question, because Autry is a big man and he's that guy, and we know what Simmons is. Now, is, is Janoris Jenkins, is that quote-unquote official? Both Adoy Jackson and, and, uh, and, and Malcolm Butler gone. Only guy left is Christian Fulton, and we have no idea what he is yet. Yo, know, I guess my question is: Is what, what's is Janoris Jenkins? Is that official? Is he is he there? Yeah, he's expected to be a starter. Uh, my indication. He will be. Yeah, because uh, again, what they would I think ideally like to play is is a good amount of man coverage. It's hard to put a percentage on it, but I think they would like to be more of a man team than a zone team. And Christian Fulton, he was a second round pick a year ago, predominant man coverage player at LSU. That's his background. LSU gets corners, they line up and they play man. So he has a man background. Janoris Jenkins, he's a man player. He's always been an aggressive man player. Had a good year last year too, by the way. So I think in an ideal world, they would love to be able to line up on the perimeter and play man coverage. Now, the only difference there is I don't know what they're going to do in the slot because Desmond King is not a man-to-man defender. King also a free agent uh, along with Yeah, so he might not even be there, yeah. That's right, yeah. Greg Cosell with us. Uh, Greg, a player we know will not be returning is Corey Davis. He signs with the New York Jets. When you have described Corey Davis in the past to others who ask about, okay, former number five overall pick, what – what what are the Jets getting within their offense and their receiving core versus how we he was used here in Nashville? And, w- and what we know is he's predominantly outside, playing that Z spot. 
And we know that he played, what, 315 of his 400 snaps on the outside here in Tennessee. Is he that type of player down in and down out for the Jets offense? Well, that's what he'll be. You know, I think the Jets <clears throat> the Jets drafted Denzel Mims in the second round a year ago, another 6'2-plus wideout. That he is ideally an X. That's what they want him to be. And then Corey Davis would be the Z, which is essentially what he's been the last couple of years. And Davis is, is good at that because then you can get him off the ball, away from the jam, and you can put him in motion. Because Corey Davis, as you guys know, is 6'3", and he's a strider. He's not loose-hipped and quick in and out of breaks, so you want him on the move. You want him running routes that require movement. How many times when he did have his big games, guys, did he catch crossers where he was on the move? That's his kind of route. You want him being able to get free access off the line of scrimmage. The Z receiver, because he's the off-the-ball receiver, gets free access off the line of scrimmage. So the Jets now, it's a good signing for them because now they have two big wideouts and they have the number two pick in the draft, which I guess it remains to be seen. I've heard from some people I trust that they will not be taking a quarterback, that they're committed to Darnold for this year. Because don't forget, their offensive coordinator now is, is uh, Matt LaFleur's brother. And he's got the San Francisco background, just like Matt LaFleur does. So it's Mike LaFleur. So th their offense is going to look totally different. And now they have two big wideouts. And this is an offense that really defines the reads and the throws very, very well for the quarterback. This is the time of year where we, we, we look at stats and we, we compare stats, especially sacks, with the pass rushers who have recently agreed to contracts. Carl Lawson, while we're on the Jets, has signed there. Yeah. Ten and a half sacks over the last two years in Cincinnati. How high can his ceiling be as you assess his overall body of work and what value the Jets are putting on him now within that defense? Well, they needed a pass rusher because Robert Sala is now the head coach. It'll be his defense and his predominant approach. Not that he never blitzes. Obviously, he does. But his predominant approach is a four-man pass rush and coverage behind it, whether it's zone or, or, or man. The 49ers last year actually played a lot more what we call cover four than cover three, which had been Robert Sala's deal uh, in previous years. But he wants a four-man pass rush. And Carl Lawson, while he hasn't played a ton of snaps, every time I would watch the Bengals, and believe it or not, I ended up watching the Bengals' defense a lot more than I thought I would. Um, Carl Lawson is a very good edge pass rusher. Um, he's a little more powerful than you might think because he's not big, big, but he's very good speed to power, and he's got some bend to him. That's a really good move by the Jets. And and by the way, Quinn and Williams really had a good year last year. Down the stretch over the last seven, eight games, he was a very, very good player. So I'm sure they feel good about that. And, and kind of an under-the-radar signing for a one-year deal was Jared Davis, who came out of the University of Florida a number of years ago. And I thought he'd be a great pro. And I never rip coaches, but it never happened in Detroit. So I, I can't answer why it didn't, but he is really gifted. He's explosive. He's big. He can run. Um, I think that's a very good signing by the Jets. I think they've made some, some meaningful moves here with Lawson and Davis to improve their D. And now we'll see what they do in the draft. Nobody was good in Detroit. Greg Cosell of NFL Films, our friend uh, and our first guest. We're proud to have him on Outkick 360. I'm curious about Curtis Samuel. 
Uh, it took a while for uh, Carolina to kind of unlock him, but he's coming off quite a year, and he seems like a, a different kind of weapon. I don't imagine he'd fit just any offense. What, what does the team who signs him need to offer for him to be the right fit? Well, I think he's part of that sort of evolving NFL. And you're right, PK. Not every team will think like this, but it also plays into the draft because there are a number of receivers like this. This evolving NFL where you have a player, Tyreek Hill is a very good example, uh, maybe the best example, that lines up all over. He's not just purely a wideout. He can line up in the backfield. He can you use him as your motion movement receiver. Uh, these players now have far more value than they ever did because back years ago, people would say, oh, they're too small. You know, there's no place to play them. Now, Samuel's a little bigger than a lot of these other guys, but at the end of the day, he fits that mold. You can line him up in the backfield. You can hand him the ball as an eye back. You use him as a motion guy. You can offset him in the backfield and use him as a receiver. He certainly can line up as a pure receiver, which is essentially what he is. But now he came out of Ohio State. He was a back and a receiver. And a lot of people who put him in the conventional box said, oh, he's just a slot receiver. Well, he's been more than that in the NFL. And you're right, PK. If you sign him, you have to have an understanding of how you want to use him because he can be a very valuable weapon as a, as a movement of formation versatile piece. Cosell of NFL Films. You can catch him on NFL Matchup as well. I want to squeeze in one more about Kendall Lamb. Dennis Kelly, uh, to me, was a surprise cut. Hutton's got more information that we're going to talk about next hour. Uh, but what do you think about Kendall Lamb sliding in as a right tackle for the Titans? Isaiah Wilson failure is, is over here. Titans, very good yeah. offensive line last year. Obviously blocking for Derrick Henry and keeping Ryan Tannehill upright. Lamb for Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I was a little surprised. You know, I mean, look, Kelly's not a great player, but he's been there and done well. Uh, I think the feeling probably is this. Lamb is not a really good pass protector. That's his weakness. But we know what this offense is. I Again, I, I guess we know that what this offense is. There's a new offensive coordinator. But I doubt that they're going to stray meaningfully away from giving the ball to Derrick Henry. So I think Lamb can work. If the run game is your foundation, which I think we all expect it to be, and the pass game has a lot of play action, it has a lot of boot action, which helps a tackle. Lamb is not a very good pass protector in a drop back pass game. But again, ideally, you're not going to see a lot of straight drop back pass game unless down and distance situation demands it. But that's not going to be what this offense is about. You can follow Greg on Twitter, at Greg Cosell, uh, especially uh, during the season. But right now, the NFL draft just around the corner, the draft evaluations and the prospects that Greg has already watched and who he, who he will go back and re-watch. Greg, how many evaluations so far to this point? I think about 150. And, and as you know, Jonathan, I'm, you know, I'm not watching YouTube highlights. I'm, you know, <laughs> fortunately, because I work for the NFL, I, I have the ultimate two. <laughs> I have the all 22. And when I watch a guy, I usually watch meaningful games. I don't, you know, I, I don't just pull up his, let's say tackles. So I'll sit and watch, you know, three, four games, sometimes depending on the player or the position, I'll watch more quarterbacks. I tend to watch seven, eight full games of the top quarterbacks. Um, and this year I probably did that with six or seven guys. Uh, and then I've even watched more quarterbacks, which is not quite as many games. So 
uh, I grind away. I, I, you know, it's funny. The season ends, and I think, oh, okay, the season's over. But I still find myself working seven days a week doing this. I'd like to give just a quick example. So Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville. That's the expectation. Uh, you mentioned the Jets. You think will stick with Darnold. So who's the quarterback that goes second overall? To you. Well, that's going to be the interesting thing because if the Jets make it clear, and, and they don't have to make anything clear, but somebody's going to want Zach Wilson, I would imagine. Um, I think Lawrence is the, is the number one quarterback in this draft. I think Wilson probably is number two. Uh, someone's going to want Zach Wilson, then the Jets could be in the catbird seat because the Jets need players. Um, but if the Jets stay at two, I think they're in a fascinating position because the player that I think would really be interesting for them to take, given that they now have Mims, they have Corey Davis. Obviously, they'll need a back somewhere because Perrine is, is, to me, a really good number two, the Florida kid. Um, I think Kyle Pitts is, is the most fascinating player in this draft. And I think you have to forget about the T.E. for tight end that's next to his name. He is so much more than that. And the reality in this NFL, you look at the Chiefs. You could easily make the argument based on film study that Travis Kelsey is the tactical key to their offense. And I think teams have to get away from the the old school uh, uh, anachronistic thinking that, hey, he's a tight end. You can't draft him high. But to me, Kyle Pitts is the most fascinating player in this draft. Greg, it is great to see and hear your voice. And uh, great to have you back as a part of, of the show to kick us off here as our first guest. Uh, thank you as always, and let's catch up soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks Greg. He's the very best at what he does. Greg Cosell of NFL Films. Again, right. check him out on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. He doesn't fake it. So, so good. No. You heard it right there with his process and how many, how many games he's watching of already 150 prospects that'll be over 200. Guy's not faking anything. Back at our old place when we were starting to figure out what we wanted to do guest-wise and everything, um, I, I had known him from before, and we were kind of – we wanted new yeah. new people. That, uh, Is that a Super Bowl we had him on? Yes. And, and we, we had him on at Super Bowl, and then when we were figuring out what we wanted to do, we said, Let, let's try Greg more. And he was a huge hit right from the start, and we we – knew right away we said let's establish that connection as strongly as we can and uh here it is again so he's, he's become a great let's friend plow forward. he really yeah, has on top friend. of everything else hey i had a marvelous dinner with you guys and him in minnesota which set off a two and a half day uh <laughs> quarantine if you will before quarantines were the thing i was paul invented the quarantine in minneapolis our, our dinners are something to behold uh, that uh, night, Paul. This was, one is a two-direction dinner. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> the um, rare two-direction. Oh, dinner. another God. friend of the show, or at least a friend of Chad. Two, two-thirds and, and, of the show. And I, yeah, Jeff Jarrett, Guy WWE Hall of Famer. It right now, uh, it is pouring down rain in Nashville. He's stuck in traffic. Uh, he will be here, but he's running Eventually. a little bit behind. Um, Timeliness bringing, is next to godliness. Bringing a gift, <laughs> bringing a gift for PK as our first in studio guest to, to welcome us holy in. Man? I don't really need gifts here at Blackbird Studio. Uh, so when we come back, let's discuss uh, the Titans' moves uh, as Jeff will be here starting at noon, and we will get into Dennis Kelly being released, which is the real surprise. Dory Jackson, not surprised, uh, and I'm getting word here from Reed that 
Jarrett may be here. So when we come back, you'll see. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see the chairs come in and out here. And if you're watching the podcast, the suspense is, it's coming. They'd be listening on a podcast, not watching. Oh, yeah, watching, listening. Sorry. I mean, we're so multimedia, it's hard to keep track. (laughs) For the ladies, we'll make sure that Hutton's crotch is properly positioned on the camera as we move around. Get this out of the way when we come back. Also, (laughs) uh, it is the OutKick OTT Network. He is J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R-E-double-T, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, with us on OutKick 360 on the OutKick Kick OTT Network. Paul's yawning, but Chad and I, we're sitting next to a great friend. A legend. What's up, brother? A legend. Two of us clapped, by the way. Not a third. Yeah, well, I clapped. Can I have the the first question? Listen, you you knew. You you are zero part of this conversation. I have the first question. So what have you been doing since your wrestling career ended? Let's Jeff, your thoughts. I, I have got a little present coming up later in this segment, and we'll, well, just, we'll just see how mouthy you really are. You know how many people so, ask me after the commercial, they're you know like, who's people, that guy you were fighting with? And uh, I said, I think they found him on the street outside the stadium. I, I have a feeling. I've made a lot of folks famous, and you just, <laughs> you're at the end of that line now. I See, so we, we did the promo. For those who have not seen it, please go check it out on Twitter, on Roll Facebook, on YouTube. Yeah, we're, here a video we're, you, we're quite <laughs> so proud of it. I'm sure we've played it during breaks today. Uh, so but we, we set this so. up Intro. for the third Our scene intro. where PK and Double J are playing pool. And as you might expect, there's an argument that breaks out. And the backstory with all that, for those that have followed our old show, they know that uh, through the, the recent call-ins and call-ins over the years, they've not gone well. Uh, it's been great for the show. Uh, not gone well for these two. Even when Paul's been out, Double J's called in and cut a promo on him for, you know, for being soft and missing the show on a certain day that Jeff was going to be on the show. Yep. It's led to uh, a fundraiser that we did two years ago where we raised in a, in a four-hour span $33,000 for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Which won Hutton a trophy that's back there. Yeah, the, behind me. And we're kicking that off again. The man of the year yeah. is just coming up. That's I'm right. Yeah, we are. For that. That's so right. There's a whole tie yes. in here. Yeah, the huge tie-in for Paul. LLS. Yeah. And, well, Paul's tied in in a moment. Um, but what we did, <laughs> we, we, we had a certain figure that if we reached a threshold on that radiothon, that Jeff agreed, and Paul did too, that he would take a guitar shot. From Jeff Jarrett. Well, this was 2019, April 2019. Jeff, I I believe, like literally the next week, you re-signed with WWE. So you're on the road six out of seven days, you know, and it doesn't coincide well with our show. His prayers were good old Catholic boy from Boston. The prayers came in handy. Orthodox from New Jersey. That was 2019. And then what's same? And then 2020 hits. (laughs) We know how 2020 was. Everything was shut down. Yes. Yes. We were broadcasting from home, so it's not like we could pay off the 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 donations that we we accepted for the nonprofit. But you did bring by a little reminder. Let me let me get this. Yeah, Shall please. I? Yes. Just don't knock over the desk. It this is, a, is it is a housewarming gift. This is going to happen, and what you've brought is the authentic. Double J guitar. <laughs> Let me just get a little sound effect. Can you size it up for us? <laughs> Cardboard. It's a good size. It's a good size. Yep. So Go ahead, strum us a tune. Yeah, he'll strum it up. Guess and what? We, Go ahead. Go ahead. We, I mean, it, this is, we're going to have this in the studio. Yes. And we're going to pay this off for a live show at some point. 
We oh, without question, we got to get the stars aligned. But you, there's no way for you to back out of this. No. But this is a housewarming gift. I could not be happier for I you guys. Wait. I mean, kicking off the show. I'm the first in studio. Yes, yeah. Cosell. This is great. Wow, that was really. I got to test out the uh, the Outkick Medical. We didn't ask right you to speak. We didn't ask you Please hit him hard enough where he does have to test out the medical insurance. There you go. First, first <laughs> yeah. I, I expect to see this right here every this show. But that's okay. No, but but no, I, I, it, it is a true housewarming gift. We're gonna leave it here, and um, when the when the stars align, I know you guys got some networks coming online. Mm -hmm. uh, we're worldwide on, on YouTube, so yep. good exposure. Uh, Reed and the entire team, we're going to have plenty of slow-mo cams. Now with our iPhones, <laughs> we're going to get this guitar shot from every angle. Sweet. Are you, you still up for it? I'm absolutely up for it. Because we've turned over a new leaf, Outkick 360. Yeah. You're in. Dude, for charity, anything. Let I, me, I, let I, me we, jump in on we this, both okay? Because okay. there was a buddy of mine in college who had a constant threat of, at every party, He'd walk up to me and threaten to pour a beer on my head. Just in front of, I was talking to a group of girls, and they would threaten to pour a beer so on my head at every party. This is that threat <laughs> to Paul. You use the word, about Double J, mouthy. Whenever Paul gets mouthy with us, we can point to the guitar in studio, now that we're a, both an audio and a, a visual like medium. You. We point to I'm the guitar, and that's always the threat. So we don't know if Double J's hiding behind this curtain. Behind us, right here, we don't know it's if he's not back be there. A surprise. It he's is not. It is going in. to be a surprise. It's be a it will surprise. be a surprise. You can't hide behind. And the we curtain. can constantly threaten. You I'm not for. I'll we see him behind the curtain. We could bash the damn thing over your head and bring another one, <laughs> and then go. we'll do it for charity I with like him it. when he hits you harder. I like it. It's all possible. Yeah, yeah. We, we, possibilities are. We need to get the biggest audience. All the friends. I want a lot of audience. Yeah, I want. Yeah, slow motion. The wood will fly everywhere. Boys, wear goggles that day. The wood. The wood could come flying and, <laughs> and then get shards in your I eyes. I just cannot This wait. cardboard, oh, this cardboard so might kill you. And see, we have video. Now. We can play these clips back as the lead-in. We'll, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's get, get tap Clay into this whole scene. And, it's, and it's Clay's all very happening. busy. It's all I happening. don't know that he'll make it. But yeah, he's, if he's not skiing, he'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> he's currently checking our medical <laughs> run. Right he's either in Mexico or... Uh, he was Reno. in Mexico last week. Yeah. He's in Park City this week. Yeah. He'll be back soon. He can always be a part of it. With right. FaceTime, he can be a part of it. Yeah. Hey, so you, you said you, you did watch the debut show on Monday. I did. And you were glad. You, you mentioned when we were, you walked in, you're like, Hutton, I'm glad you have your desk. Yeah, he's looking at your groin the whole time. No. We're just in, uh, he's used to guys I, in their I'm underwear. A TV guy. That's, That's true. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Hey, Paul, I love you, Paul. We really have the love-hate relationship. Really I love do. to hate you. Yeah. Uh, Why didn't you come in one of those outfits? Uh, you Remind said I'm retired. who you are. Oh. <laughs> That'll be it. Enough of a reminder. <laughs> okay. He's, he's in the pretend athlete hall of fame. <laughs> wow. Okay. Paul is a pretend a athlete who's in his high school hall of fame. Gotta, Where? Right his high school right hall of fame up there. Yeah. Tell, give us your stats. Prep. Give Rutgers us what stats. Bless your heart. We weren't much of stat keepers. <laughs> <laughs> what was your win-loss record in high school? I, I didn't pitch. Huh? I didn't pitch. I know, but I'm saying overall. Like, oh, it's we a were team bad. sport, we were, we were right? Bad. Okay. Baseball and soccer. We How many not, Hall of Fames we are you in, good. Jeff? Two. Two. Yeah, there One right. more than me. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you're great. Thank you. No, it's, uh, what, what, what was your question? I don't know. You, now, I don't we, know. But yeah, it you, doesn't you really matter. Up. No, you, you threw me. Oh, I watched I Monday. Yeah, no, what do you think? I was, I'm blown away just because the potential of everything and you guys, I was... Man, did I feel old when you said 10 years you guys have been together? Going on 10 yeah, years. Yeah, we're in our 10th year. That's amazing. 
That that is very a, fortunate. Yo, yeah. you, for three guys to stick together, and him being one of the three, it's it's <laughs> nothing short of a miracle. That's the biggest. But all kidding aside, congrats to you guys. We appreciate it's, it. It's a it's a what a uh, cool thing you guys have going on here. We appreciate it. Out kick. I mean, it's going to the next level, and a lot of cool things going on. And and uh, I was telling a guy who, uh, well, I'll tell a quick story. So. The the, the uh, intro to the show, right? Uh, this guy uh, on Twitter, obviously you can see, he goes, you realize it's about a 25, 28 second deal and you and Paul are like 12 seconds of that? <laughs> are you going to be a regular on the show? I said, quick count. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but but just t- talking about the, the, the it, it's no longer uh, just, uh, pardon the pun, a midday show talking about sports. It's, you guys are talking about pop culture. Uh, we can get it anything and everything. No restrictions. No restrictions, but it's it's not just, and we had our conversation a couple of weeks ago about watching anything, whether it's the Masters, you name it, football. Cosell was obviously gets down into the nitty-gritty, but the, the, it opens you guys up to yeah. all kinds of guests. Even an old retired wrestler like me can come on here and well, talk you, You're a master of promotion, so again, I want to continue to sell this promotion of threatening Paul with a guitar <laughs> shot over and over again. It's going to happen. one day it actually happens. Oh, it, it may it, not it be is. a surprise, no, but no, I at least want the threat to be event. there. Yeah. I think we also need to, for charity, we got the LLS campaign starting up and we're nationwide. Maybe you guys could agree, maybe you take a, a chair shot. Uh, maybe you take an elbow off the top. I mean, we'll, we'll try to. Nobody wants that. to see them hurt, especially oh, Hutton. Reed has a singlet he can Hutton's wear that face. day. <laughs> I've seen Reed in a singlet. There's a confession for you. There you go. In ice water. Last Woo! night. <laughs> yeah, last night. Very cold. Great, great day one for Paul and Reed. So, what do you guys night. have up coming up this week? Any other guests coming up? Well, uh, yeah. So, Nate Bargatze's on the show tomorrow. Comedian Speaking Nate of Bargatze. going outside of I was going to say, see? another Middle Tennessean. Yeah. After, after he sees the studio set up, maybe he doesn't come in. But <laughs> yeah, he's he's coming into Blackbird tomorrow, and then on Friday we have our Outkick VIP watch party for the NCAA tournament I out heard, live I at Six Peabody. I heard so. that promo. Promote. Huge. Pop up, pop out there and watch the little basketball. Yeah, t- the March Madness begins. Who's your, Gonzaga? That's what I'm going. I'm going Zags. So hard, hard not to like. There he is. It is. I mean, when you think about a program like that, I mean, I, again, the same buddy I was talking about. We're talking about Lipscomb, all the different programs. But Lipscomb and Belmont are two programs. Don Meyer built it. Rick Bird built it here. Uh, what's his, uh, Mark, Mark Few. Mark, Mark, yeah. Mark Few, yeah. I mean, to build a program from nothing. nothing. I, or literally and, nothing. And, and build it. You know, it, it harkens me to when people were trying to run Bobby Knight out of Indiana. How have they done since he left? So. Yeah. Uh, they've done all right, Not but n- n- nothing like a guy like that building the program. So March Madness is back with fans. Yes. Uh, fans in Texas. Uh, WrestleMania is coming up in, in less than a month. They're going to have fans, right? Oh, boy. They they, <laughs> uh, they pushed the ticket sales. Tickets were supposed to go on sale yesterday, and at, uh, it started at 25000 Then it went to 30000 Then it went to 35000 Then forty five. My guess is, knowing uh, the guy who runs that outfit, he's going to try to get a sellout. Uh, and you... Uh, have you guys heard about Dana White? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Th- 15,000 at their end door. Yeah. Pandemic's over, I guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't Florida. say that. But. Well, I mean, it, in Florida, so WrestleMania will be back at Tampa, right? Yep. Because it was going to be Stadium. there last year. Yep, Raymond J Stadium, yes. Cool. And that that is, what, next month? It is, inside of a month now. So yeah. it, it's really cool to see it all happening up. And, and uh, I saw a blurb from, you guys are sports. It, you said we are on top of it. But I guess... In Texas, at, at, at Rangers, it's mandated to wear a mask, but so in every seat. Yeah, that's right. I, full I capacity. So they're selling full capacity for the opener. 
but then they're going to restrict it. It's very weird. Really? Huh? Yeah. I didn't that's know that. I thought it was that's just from the opener on. That's what I saw today. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't I know that. Read that's that either, interesting. Paul. That's what I saw. Okay. We'll have to. Makes no sense, but it's interesting. It makes no sense. That is interesting. We're gonna do it. Go all the way. Put a mask on. Go in, and if you don't want to be there, don't show up. That's right. But wear the mask to respect others. So. I'm excited about that. I'm uh, like you said. I'm a promoter, so uh, you can't promote without people in the building. So I'm excited to get things open back up. Well, you'll be back P on the road. People too. be people be safe. Yes, uh, lot, lots of moving parts going on. But yeah, excited, very excited. Thanks for coming around. Yeah, yeah man. Thank you so much. You've been great to the show, and, and thanks for continuing to be a part thanks of. Thanks for being it. a part of the show. Uh, and, and you know, the good thing is on YouTube, we can go and look at all the comments. So, folks on YouTube, if you've got any ideas no where the guitar shot should take place, I'm not saying it's going to take place on that crop. <laughs> 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 Anatomically speaking, <laughs> where should he be? Hit? No, no, no. We're asking but that. Let's geographical. Make sure that geographical. Where, yeah. where should we do it? When should we do it? How could we make it a big? Uh, I mean, do we do it out at Steeplechase when that comes? I don't know if we're doing that this year. I don't know. What, what is it? They big... moved it back. They moved Steeplechase back to June. So we. Could... I don't know. We need a big Music City event and uh, and, and a couple of different. Uh, take one for the team. Is I'm already naming the event. Take one for the team. He took it for the LLS team. It's a good and, name. Um, we, we can figure something out. We have out a strong there. audience. I guarantee you we'll get good ideas that oh, we'll be yeah. able to present to you guys and then decide on one of the best ideas. Outkick 360 audience, the ball's in your court. That's yeah. right. Sweet. Guys, I appreciate you having Thanks. me on. Thank Come you, in. Jeff. Jeff Jarrett, uh, how can we follow you on Twitter, by the way? Uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm not on Facebook, uh, but Twitter and Instagram. Real Jeff Jarrett. That's okay. Real Jeff Jarrett. Everyone wake back up now. <laughs> <laughs> he brought back the gu the guitar, the first gift to the studio, one of many we hope, but the one that will be on display, the Jarrett guitar for PK. Jeff Jarrett has been our first guest in studio. Coming up, we have the Tennessee Power Hour, the very latest on the Tennessee Titans, the moves that were made, our reaction to a Jory Jackson and Dennis Kelly being shown the door yesterday. And we'll get into what that means now moving forward for this roster and salary cap. That's next on Outkick 360.